Welcome to Dungeons and Designers, a podcast where visual communicators communicate without visuals. I'm your DM, Will Churin. Let's get rolling. Hey everybody, we're going to do something a little bit different this week. Every player is going to have an individual story, and then two weeks we'll all return and play together again. You'll know things that each of the players don't know about each other now, and I hope you really enjoy that and have fun with this episode. As the goblins return to Midton, Nizvit greets them and welcomes them back after a job well done. He lets them know that after defeating the Newt Shaman, the lake returned to normal, and Nithgard has been supplying the city with the needed fish. He then continues to tell them about devastating attacks that have been occurring since the first attack on Midton, and how the future of the Pooksie is uncertain. With that, he sends each of them to be individually trained and to prepare for what is coming. As Yola hears this from Nisvi, she goes down to the bard area, which is the second floor down beneath the forge. As she enters, she can see a stage with dancers. She can see drummers that are preparing for war. She can see the instrument crafters creating all of the flutes and drums and guitars. She sees there's like a pit in the center where there's sword dancers who are, um, they have like long flowing fabric and as they like spin around, you can see their swords glistening in the sun and the light. Um, There's a bar with tables, like a little restaurant where there's people chatting and talking. You hear some laughter and storytelling. And then the corner you see, there's just like a group hanging out by themselves. Where does Yola want to go? She doesn't. She looks around and, like, doesn't quite feel like she fits in with any of these particular groups. Like, she doesn't want to perform. Um, So, yeah, I guess she kind of goes off in the corner by herself (laughs) and looks at her instruments. Yeah, as she's, like, playing around with her music box and her cowbell, um, she sees another character that looks completely out of place, and it's this jester dancer. He's wearing, like, this purple outfit with, like, the tasseled hat. Mm -hmm. And he's just picking on everybody. And you see, like, no one's really reacting. They're all kind of just let it happen. And you see him just, like, he's, like, plucking guitar strings and knocking over drums and, like, bumping into people at the bar. And as he's doing that, the crowd that was in the corner by themselves, like, come over to you. (laughs) I get out my cowbell just to, like, (laughs) for communication if I need it. Um, do they make the first move or like do they look threatening or welcoming? They don't they definitely don't look welcoming. Uh, all um, right. I, I I'm picturing them kind of like the goth kids in high school. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like they're all right to each other, but like everyone outside is like who are they? Oh, those kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe they have something important to tell me. Well, I think they came over just because they saw you out of place. Oh no, I'm being preyed upon. <laughs> they they go uh hey what's your name hi uh yola yola we haven't seen you from down here before oh oh yeah just uh practicing my cowbell it's a horn you see but it, it doesn't really work that well i can't really speak through it you don't seem very apt with instruments how are you with swords? Uh, I could stab a guy. We study a different type of magic and a different type of music. Are you interested? Oh, yes. I, I don't feel like I... I don't want to entertain or perform. What, what kind of magic do you practice? 
and as they hand you like a booklet, this other bard comes in who's wearing like a very formal outfit. And uh, you see him walk into the room and he goes, Yola, Yola. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> and he, he looks over to you because you kind of like raise your hand. Yeah. And as you do that, the other group just like disappears. Like they just run off. And he comes over and goes, Nesvit told me you're coming. Yes. Are you ready to train? Um, sure. What does that require? <laughs> and then he goes, like, show me what you've got. And he just sits there in a chair and watches oh, you. Oh, man. Well, uh, I got these spoons. And, uh, mm-hmm. I got this cowbell. Goes kind of like, doo-doo-doo. I mean, I'm thinking I could use it to talk to people from far away. I don't know, like, negotiate. And uh, I can slash. I have this dual wielding. And she, like, runs in a circle and, like, lunges. Whoosh, whoosh. That's about all I got. Ta-da! Nazvit hmm. told me you were special. Mm. I don't think I understand. <laughs> you got me. <laughs> Here I am. And he looks at your music box. In with, like, a long, slender cane, he, like, taps it, and it vibrates, and the invisible creature comes mm-hmm. out, which you are always able to see, but no one else has ever seen, and he can visibly see it, and he goes, what is this? Oh, wow. Um, so this is my music box? <laughs> what do you mean, what is this? What is this creature that lives within it? Uh, okay. Um... Well, he's my servant. <laughs> he comes out when I need him. Um, how, how can you see him? I've trained with these instruments long enough. I can understand when one is different. Um, yes, I, I like collected instruments. I don't like the typical, you know, guitar. I think music is everywhere and we can find music in anything. <laughs> yeah, and then he goes... I agree. And he puts down um, a long, skinny box in front of you. And there's, like, metal latches in front of it. And on the top, it's, like, got, like, floral paintings on it. And he goes, this is for you. Nazvit told me you needed the help to prepare for where you're going next. Oh, my goodness. Uh, may I open it? Mm-hmm. And then she, it's, it's very pretty and opens it up and I've never had anything so nice oh my goodness and opens it up (laughs) as you open it up inside it's like velvet and there's a sword in there with a sheath that has the same floral pattern and the handle's kind of gilded with the pearlescence like in the the holster oh and he goes this is for you it's a sword that you should be able to use on the combat field is it, like, curved? Or, like, what kind of sword? It's just, like, a normal short sword. It's probably maybe a foot and a half, two feet long. Um, nothing super fancy about it, except that it's very ornate. And as you open it, there's a bit that, um, right in the hilt, that starts spinning and playing music. Uh- so even, like, within this sword, there's... Um, the music components that you can find in all things in life. And uh, as you start swinging it around and playing with it, you can see like the music is playing, though loud enough that everyone in the area can hear it. 
is like helping you like it's giving you the rhythm you need to attack and it's giving you this extra like boost of inspiration mm -hmm. and he's like why don't you go down and train with the dancers for a while in the pit mm. I'm not sure how much dexterity I have I'll give it my best shot <laughs> as you as you go down um why don't you do you have your dice with you let me why yes yeah, just give me a performance roll okay but yeah as you go down um you can tell they're not fighting they're just like dancing 21 dang okay wait you get plus 21 oh no that was it was 21 so it's 17 plus 4 right math okay yeah yeah yeah, yeah. So you're dancing, and you're keeping up with them just fine. And you hear uh, Narish going, very well. Do you enjoy this part? Hmm. I mean, I don't really like being the center of attention. I'm more of a one-on-one -on -one kind of person. But, yeah, this is cool. I have more rhythm than I thought. I, I totally thought she would just, like, crumple to the floor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, even Narish is a little bit surprised by, like, how well you're doing. But he can tell that there's, like, a part of you that just isn't enjoying it. So he's like, come out, come out, come out. And then he points to the bar. And he's like, why don't you just go see if you can fit in over there? At the bar? <laughs> yeah, where there's like a whole bunch of people just talking and hanging out. Okay. <laughs> I kind of, do I have a hilt? I think I do. Or not a hilt. What's it called where you put the sword away? A sheath. A sheath. I'm way more interested yeah. in that. So I put the sword in the sheath and I'm just like <laughs> twisting the little um, music component back and forth as I walk yeah, over as there. You put it, as you put in the sheath, the music stops. Oh, dang. But as you're like putting it with your finger, like you can like create kind of like the a normal music box. You can kind of play it at your own speed yeah. rather than it playing by itself. Yeah. So it's just like ding 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 ding. As ding, I walk ding, over ding. there. <laughs> yeah, and as you're doing this, like they can hear just like a little bit of a ticking, and it's almost like a a naivety when uh, a child yeah. is walking up. Mm -hmm. And you, no one turns to talk to you. <laughs> I'd like a drink. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's actually no one at the bar. It's like a uh, a prop bar. Oh man. Where they can train their conversations and like where they would be out in in an environment. So no one's holding like mimosas or mojitos or. No, they're just talking and like you can tell like everyone's trying to um, deceive each other, or entertain and distract each other. Mm, mm. But by doing that, they're just ignoring you. Uh, I'm just gonna walk up to somebody and say, "Look at this sword I got!" <laughs> and show them how it works. I doubt they're gonna look at me, but yeah, they they definitely hear you. But like, I have a task. They don't turn around at all. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to. As uh, Narish is standing there, he just like looking at you. He's like, she doesn't like the sword fights. She doesn't like the communication. I don't know what we're gonna do. And as you're sitting there alone in the bar, you start opening up the little pamphlet book. Mm -hmm. Oh! And inside, it starts it starts talking about, like that there is a a more subtle college of the bard, one that's not like widely accepted by the rest. We can read, and there's like a literature that goes along with our people. <laughs> this is cool. Yeah, the College of the Whispers, and it's like a, a DIY zine. Oh, okay. So it's like all yeah. by hand. Or, yeah, yeah, definitely by hand, and like kind of scribbled in. And you can tell like there's a there's like a symbol on the top that says like College of Whispers with like a little face with like a person talking. Mm -hmm. But you can tell this is not like 
official bard material. I just like the word whispers, and I've been having a really hard time with my horn. So I want to see. I don't think I associate or know who these people really are. I just have a mental picture of them solving all my problems in a place to fit in. So that sounds pretty good to me. <laughs> yeah, as you as you read it, it talks about um, kind of like the darker side of the bard and um, how to imbue your sword with magic so that your words don't need to do the convincing as much. And it talks to you about taking people's identity and using it for your own good. And it's very almost roguish. It's like the dark side of the bard. I don't think I see any of that. I just see the word whisper, and I want to know more. <laughs> what, and as the, what were my other the, options? <laughs> that was okay. Darish comes over, and he's just like, Well, I think we found your spot. And he pats you on the shoulder and goes, College of the Swords, and then walks away. Um, excuse me, I, I like this, um, in this pamphlet you gave me right here, it says I can learn to whisper better. Maybe I can even learn some, like, ASMR techniques or how to use my cowbell. You know, what do you think about that? Where, where do I sign up? Yeah, and as you're saying it, you, like, look around and he's gone. <laughs> and, um... The kids in the corner are also gone, and you're now just in this space with like the dancers on stage are still going. There's people still playing with their drums, and people at the bar talking, and you're standing in the room with your pamphlet. Mm, mm. Does there look like there's anybody else official in this area besides him Mm-mm. that I could talk to? I have to create my own college of whispers. It's very clear he wants me to be like a loner swords person <laughs> okay so as you're, as you're standing there and Narisha is gone a, a figure comes out from like the back again and you're like where did this guy come from yeah and uh, uh-huh. he's like what do you think about the material oh um you know or, uh, who are you I'm Jasper I'm the one who leads the College of the Whisperer Oh, oh, you're just the person I want to talk to. I would like to learn to whisper through this thing. And I hold up my cowbell. It's not working. Why would you whisper through something to make it louder? Um, it's more of like a telepathy thing. You know, like, get to know people across the, the way. No? Oh, yes, yes. Turn to page four of the pamphlet. Oh, okay. Teach me all of your ways. <laughs> Turn to page four. And as he sits there and he talks to you about it, you guys spend quite a bit of time, and it, it almost looks like you're fitting in now at this, like, bar scene. Oh. But you guys are clearly, like, you know that you're not part of it. And he's teaching you how to fit in to all these different schools while not really being a part. And he ends it with, if Narish or anyone else asks, just say that you're College of the Swords. But we'll both know. Mm, like a secret society. Where have you guys been this whole time? Oh, it's perfect. <laughs> and I do like a wink. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Jasper's like, yeah. <laughs> 
And even he like starts like slowly backing away and just waving and been like, read the material. Uh, uh, okay. Is there like a, a meeting place? <laughs> and now he's gone. <laughs> nice to meet you. Okay. And as like you look around, you can like feel that social pressure of like when you, you're somewhere you shouldn't be or somewhere you don't want to be. Mm-hmm. And uh, you see the exit door. I think I want to like run to my dorm room. As Yolik returns to her room, Fennec enters the Artificer Sanctuary in the basement, where they first found the cart and all the other Artificers training. As Fennec walks in, he sees Nesba, um, who's been warned that you were on your way from Nesbeet. Warned. <laughs> and I don't remember Nesma's voice, so we're just going to give her a new one. Um, Fennec, Fennec, how you doing? I mean, the last mission went good, and it was nice to actually fight and not mess everything up I, I think i'm doing okay i'm not as hungry as last time how are you <laughs> we're, we're all starting to get full again um i heard about your first escapade what a mess that was uh, yeah i mean i just kind of grumble and look off in the distance not super comfortable talking about it yeah and all around you you can see different artificers working on different machines um, there's like little explosions happening in one corner you mm-hmm. hear like electric carts being built in another area and then Nesma from like her desk pulls out a stack of books and drops them in front of you. And she goes, why don't you just start reading these? And then she walks off. How does Fennec do with like literature? He loves it. He's just, uh, he's all about reading. He used to go to the library in Duford a lot, the small town he's from. Um, he would sneak in at first and just try to find anything he could with magic in it. Uh, <laughs> And any that turned into anything he could build. Um, eventually, the librarian caught on to him and would just let him come in there when you know he was like nine, ten years old, which is old for a goblin. And uh, so he's been keeping any kind of books he can find from people that might have died <laughs> in the woods nearby or been raided. Anything he can keep. So he's just devouring it. He's just eyes wide just flipping just ignoring everybody else right now cool so as like he's reading it goes from day to night day to night and it's multiple days of you just devouring these books of artificers covering different things like how to make um gunpowder and how to make magic items (laughs) and how to make um automatons and those type of things and as you're studying the room has pretty much emptied out except for a little metal goblin who's walking around like he's a robot kind of thing yeah yeah, and Nesma comes in. Um, it's probably like two or three in the morning now. It's like very quiet. And Nesba picks up this little goblin, puts it on the table, and he goes, Fennec, have you seen anything like this in one of the books? I mean, I, I think this, yeah, just this last chapter is starting to open up. This guy made a rat, though. It's not anything as intricate and cool as this. Who made this? I did. What? <laughs> <laughs> he just jumps up and walks around and... Yeah. Kind of pulls out his tinker tools and starts like poking screwdrivers and little uh, tweezers and just poking around on it. Yeah, and when it does that, it like defends itself and like pushes <laughs> your tweezers, uh, tweezers back, jumps off the table, and then runs behind Nesma. <laughs> and Nesma goes, um, I don't think magic is, is your route. Yeah? What are you thinking? <laughs> I'm thinking you ruined all our food last time you tried. <laughs> yeah, I mean, 
That's fair. Why don't um, we try this? And then she flips to the book about how to build your own little like defender. Oh. How about you spend some time working with this? And again, he just eyes wide, just sits right down and just starts going right through it. Yeah, and then Nesba kind of like walks off. And again, like multiple days pass and you're still like working away and she comes back. What what have you built? Um, I don't say anything, but I stand up and a medium-sized raccoon walks from behind the desk and just stands next to me. And so I'm 3'11". That's small, right? It's pretty, yeah, it's pretty small. <clears throat> I mean, is that like classified small? Oh, yeah, so this I, thing I is like, so. this thing's probably three or four inches bigger than I am. It's it's actually classified as medium. So <laughs> defenders are. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. It's a fairly big raccoon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, the small goblin of Nesbitt, like comes over and starts to like ride it. And you see them like <laughs> kind of running around the room, having fun. Yeah. And Nesma looks at you like satisfied and goes, this seems to be much more up your alley. Oh, yeah. This is, I found this part too. I can make arrows shoot magic bolts. It's like all the best parts of what I've wanted to study and learn and improve armor. And this is, thank you so much for showing this to me. Yeah. And then she goes, let's, let's see what it can do. And she brings you down into a room. And when you enter, four little pillars pop out of the ground. And uh, she goes, why don't you toss your raccoon into there? Okay. I, uh, I'm like, hey, buddy, try to... <laughs> Let's see some parkour. Go for it. <laughs> All right. And then um, I believe it can prepare a dodge action. So she yes. encourages you to be like, prepare it to, to dodge. Okay. And it's, I'm like, what are you going to throw at it? He need, I just need to give him some heads up. Um, do you? For dodge, do you need a heads up? No. I just tell him. I'm like, hey, watch out. <laughs> oh, There's some, yeah. yeah. It's She's uh, like, no, no yeah, heads up. Reaction. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, just watch out. There's going to be stuff, some stuff coming. He just yeah. kind of shakes his head and chitters a little bit and then starts jumping on the first pillar. As uh, it jumps onto the pillar, the pillar on the other side of the room like glows orange and shoots a little fireball at it. And why don't you give me a dexterity saving throw? Okay. 17 plus... Oh, 17's totally fine already. Okay, yeah. So as the first fireball hits, you see the raccoon kind of jump off and the fireball destroys the one pillar. And when it hits the ground, the other pillar like lights up and shoots another fireball at it. That's a uh, nine. Okay, that one it catches the tail and kind of okay. spins it around. And as it's like, like frantically trying to put itself out, the the last pillar shoots <laughs> a fireball at it. That's a eight. Okay, that one hits. Okay, and it destroys the raccoon, leaving pits all across the floor. Holy crap! He's got 19 hit points. Yeah, and Nesma goes, <laughs> well, at least you didn't burn down anything. That's right. And then gives you another book about how to repair. Yeah. And she says, why don't you spend some time with it again and rebuild it from its parts? Cool. And she then walks away. And over the next couple of days, again, like you start getting quicker and you're more familiar with like how these things are working. Mm-hmm. And you rebuild your raccoon. And as, as you're doing that, Nesbo walks over and looks at you and goes, okay, I think it's even better. Why don't we try again? And the four pillars lift. But as they lift from across the room, you hear an explosion. 
And as you guys both turn around, just like a column of fire comes at you. And you see Nesma pull out like a little cube quickly out of her pocket, spin around and click one of the sides and a sphere or a, a cube appears around you guys. Mm. And as you do that, the fire hits and like dissolves around the edges, um, filling the room around you, but you guys are safe inside. And as the fire dies down, the cube like lowers its force wall. And she's like, I think you're gonna need this as you go on your adventures. If you're no longer causing the fires, you should protect yourself from others. And she gives you this little tiny cube, and on each side, the cube has different symbols. Okay. And the way the cube works for D&D nerds is called the cube of force. Um, you get a certain amount of charges, which we'll go over later, but one side uh, stops gases, winds, and fogs from passing the barrier. Uh, another side stops non-living matter passing through the barrier, like falling rocks. Oh, wow. Um, one stops passing matter, so if creatures are running at you, you can stop them. Another side does spell effects. I'll give you a page for this if you need it. Um, no, okay, yeah. Then the last side, or the fifth side, stops everything. And then the one side just deactivates the barrier. And she goes, artificers make many wonderful things. And I think you're starting to realize that. Yeah. Take this item and your raccoon and then return upstairs and prepare yourself for where Nizvi is sending you next. Oh, all right. Can I borrow that other book for just a minute? Yeah, she goes, you can borrow any book. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I grab three or four and hand two of them to the raccoon, and we just run upstairs with them. I'm picturing it, like, on his back legs running. Like they oh, do, yeah, like, just hold, holding yeah. the books. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yep, yep. Got it. As Azhag walks outside to meet with the other rangers, he's first met with a female ranger named Alila. Alila says that um, you guys are needed elsewhere, down below where the, the forge is being expanded. So as she brings you down, you pass where the bards are training, you pass where um, Fennec is training with the artificers, and you enter into caverns that are unfinished. So unlike the forge area that was all built out and the sun was coming in, you're now in the dark and it's uninhabited by goblins. Uh, Alila starts to talk to you about all the things that you've enjoyed so far. Uh, yeah, I mean, I just really enjoyed uh, being able to sneak around and shoot from, you know, hiding areas and coming from unseen and slaying people. Um, she looks at you a little interested because that doesn't seem like what a normal ranger would be interested in. It's more of a rogue. But she, she continues down the cavern with you and talks to you about different schools or different conclaves that the rangers can take. And at first she's explaining the Beastmaster and Hunter, but you don't seem very interested in those. And then she starts talking about different, um, different types of hunters that enjoy the darkness and enjoy more of the hunt. My interest has peaked. Your interest peaked. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, as she's explaining that, she can see like that your your ears are perking up a little bit more, and that you're a little bit more interested than when she had been talking about like wrangling up a, a beast for you. Mm. Um, as you guys keep going lower and lower, um, the temperature starts to get a little bit hotter as you get like deeper and deeper down. And all of a sudden, she stops and like gives you the signal to stop, and she says like, "Touch the ground." Oh. I touch the ground. You can now, with the new skills that you're going to be learning, 
sense creatures that are coming and going around your location. Ooh. And what she's going to encourage you to use is that, uh, was it primeval awareness? Yeah. You can sense that there's um, like abominations down these tunnels. And Ooh. you're familiar with like the, the rumors of what lived down here and the things that they've had to fight as they built out the forge. Uh, so yes, she asked you, like, tales you... of old. Yeah, the tales of old. <laughs> <laughs> um, and usually, like, you can tell that it's been within a mile, um, mm. but you can sense out way further down here. And there's, mm. like, numerous things that are, like, being signaled to you. Um, so she asks you, like, do you sense anything down these hallways or down these caverns? Yeah, I explained to her about the, uh, the spooky abomination things that I'm sensing. I let her in on my deets. Okay, then she looks at you and goes, um, it's our job to take care of them. And right when she says that, she, like, vanishes into the darkness. Hmm. And she says, and you can just hear her voice, you can't see her anymore. And she says, like, follow me. And what she's encouraging you to do is, like, try to tap into the shadows and disappear. Alright, I start, I start kind of melding in with the shadows. Yeah, and this is something you've never experienced before, but something that you've been trying to do is this, like, being constantly hidden and constantly in the shadows. And as you've watched Alila disappear, you follow behind. Ooh, sneaky sneak. Yeah, and as you guys are, like, slowly going through the Underdark, um, you can start hearing, like, a large slither sound. Ew. And then there's, like, um, the clacking of beaks. And then as you guys take the corner right in front of you, um, it has no sense that you're there, but there's a giant snake creature that has four tentacles coming out of its face and a giant beak, no eyes. And it's Mm -hmm. just rolling around and kind of just living as if you weren't there, just traveling, looking for food. And Alila says, um, see how we use the shadows. This is the way we'll be able to take out our enemies. And this thing is probably a good 10 to 20 times your size. Mm-hmm. And then she goes, why don't you take the first attack? Oh, goodness. So with your new conclave of the Gloomstalker, you can move, upon, like, move in the Underdark and move in darkness and then be invisible to things with dark vision. But you can also get um, a bonus attack in the beginning, right? If I take the attack action in uh, that hits I can do another attack and then if that hits it gets an extra d8 but it's only on your uh, first turn right for op- opening turn yeah of combat okay and because the grick because this big snake creature can't see you I'm gonna give you advantage on the first attack all right oh goodness I'm gonna wallop him big wallop okay then what I'm gonna do is uh, open up with a um a uh, hunter's mark. Okay. Is that a bonus? It's a bonus action for a spell. Okay. Um, so that will give me a uh, plus d6 on my weapon attacks. Um, and then I will open up with a big fat crossbow bolt at him. Okay. 
And that is... With advantage. All right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so... I get to roll... Oh, I hit him to hit. It's 23. Yeah, that hits. Okay. And then so extra attack with the attacker. Take the attacker. We'll do your damage. Well, no, I'm just trying to read this thing still. So if I, for my second attack, do I have to roll to hit again? Yeah. Okay. Um, so I'll do my deeps, which is... I did 11. Okay. And then For my first attack, plus a d6, actually, for my hunter's mark. So I did 13. Cool. And then I go so as you my... do that, the crick is, like, rolling around looking for what attacked it, but it can't see you still. Oh. Then I roll the 28. Yeah, it definitely hits. And... So that rolls at this guy again. Oh my gosh, that's terrible. Uh, <laughs> and for 11 again. Cool. Now it can start sensing where those arrows are coming from, and it comes over to you and takes a bite. Oh. With this giant beak. Oh, I'm sorry, not beak. It grabs you with its tentacles. Oh, what? The four tentacles coming out of its face. Ew. Uh, it's 15. Oh, my AC? Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. Yeah, 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 yeah. That hits? Yep. Okay, then you're going to take... Uh, seven damage. Yeah, boy. And then while it has you grafts, it takes its beak and then it goes in for a bite. Oh, get the hell out of here. But it misses. Surprisingly, even when you're within his reach. <laughs> and Lily goes... Sneaky. Lila just yells at you and goes, finish him! Okay, but he's got me... No, you're not bound. Grasped? No, you're not grasped. You're good. Okay. But you're within five feet now. So I disengage. Uh, oh, no, I don't. You can, with your bonus action. So Azhag rolls back, gets out of the grasp of its tentacles. Yeah, and I'll take another strike with my crossbow for D8. So I hit him for... Oh, no, I need to roll the hit. Uh, 26. Yeah. And then I hit him for 10, and then I'll use uh, Fury of the Small, which I think I get an extra 3 damage on that. Yeah, I think so. Um, to equal to my level, but yeah. So I hit him for 13. Yeah, so as you see this third crossbow bolt go through its face, it riles up, hits the top of the cavern, and then drops down dead. Get wrecked. And Alila looks at you extremely pleased because not many rangers have been able to figure out how to use the Underdark like she has and use mm. the shadows to their advantage. And she goes, I think you're ready. And I turn around and say, yeah, I, I would say so. She goes, I have one last thing for you. Follow me. And she leads you back up through the caverns back to the, the main area of Midten. Mm. And as she goes into the dormitories, um, she's in the same space as you are. She opens up her footlocker chest and then hands you three bolts. And these bolts are extremely well made. You can tell that the arrows are made of a different material, um, probably a mineral found within the mines. Ooh. And she goes, um, these arrows have been made specifically to strike down one enemy. And that is the humans who have been attacking us, the Torchblade. Um, and she hands you three bolts of slaying. And slaying. 
way bolts of slaying work. Uh, if a creature belongs to the type, race, or group associated with an arrow of slaying takes damage from the arrow, so the torch blade, the creature must make a DC 17 constitution saving throw, taking an extra 6d10 piercing damage on a failed save or half as much extra damage on a successful one. 6d10? Yeah. Wait, so torch blade is not just humans it's in not general, just humans, specifically. Right? Mm. It's the ones that have been like attacked Midten and the ones who were trying to wrangle up all those goblins in the train. Oh, goodness. And you only have three of them. So you got to track that. Um, but she uh, looks at you and goes, Nezvi is about to send you off to help defend Midten against these attacks. I think these will benefit you more than they benefit me. What's it called? A bolt of what? Well, you can search for arrow slang. Bolt of slang. Arrow. Would you do arrow, but we're using it as a bolt because you use a crossbow. Arrow of what? Slang. He has one called the bolt of slang. I don't think there is anything called bolt of slang. Now there is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Fair. Then I just want to write it down in my notes so I get versus. You want me to send you the um, torch blade? I get sixty ten. It has to do a DC For seventeen constitution DC seventeen cons there. And then if on a success, it still takes half of the 6d10. All right. Cool beans. Oh, and I have three. Yeah. Dope. That's like a quick way to do an extra 30 damage, like. Yeah, unless I hit max on all of them. Or miss. Because it's not an auto hit. <laughs> I never miss. It's true, you didn't miss today. Mm-hmm. Um... So, Alil goes, I think that's all I need from you. Is there anything else you need to do before Nesvi calls you to, to leave again? I have uh, this ruby that I took from our last adventure that I'd like to uh, try to find the best price for. Or do you think that I should sell this in another region? No, I think you can definitely give that to someone here. And she, she brings you out past the forge to like um, a little metalsmith area where people mm. are making things like jewelry. Yeah. And she goes, give him the best price you can. And they look at the ruby, and it's, like, pretty big for them. It's much bigger than most things they get. Mm-hmm. And uh, they go, I think we can give you 50 gold for it. Um, I say, yeah, or do you have any kind of uh, magical wares that you'd be willing to trade? Let's look. Um, and otherwise, I would want to go, I would say, that sounds like a fair price, uh, but I do need to... Uh, go grab it, but then instead of going and grabbing it, because I already have it, obviously, I'm gonna go, like, walk to some other equipment stores, like weapon stores and stuff and see if anybody has magical items for sale. Okay, what kind of items would you be looking for? Something like a... like a... a new crossbow um, that has some magic, or, like, some cool leathery chainmail, chain shirt, armor type stuff that I could wear that would... I love how you're trying to hawk this thing. Help me be that you all got together. <laughs> yeah, but I immediately said I, I took it. I know I'm not. I'm not stopping you. <laughs> and they never bring up anything that I take. I got 55 gold still from that purse. <laughs> um, is it? it well, I mean, it's level three, so I don't know if you want to work that stuff in yet. We just got a lot of power. What's level so, three? So. We are. So I'm just saying. I figured oh, I would yeah. throw it out there, but no, it's totally fine. I'm just. Grabbing my, the right books. 
Come on, knock on my door. I'll be waiting for you. Three's company, too. Um, so when you bring it to another shop, uh, one of the goblins well, behind the counter, was that? I don't bring up, I, I have the ruby with me, but I'm not bringing up that I have the ruby. I'm kind of talking about their wares and saying, if, let's see what they got. Okay, so most people have, like, the normal stuff. It's nothing super magical. There's a small shop in Midtown that sells scrolls, and mm -hmm. then uh, another shop that sells jewelry. And There's some no uh, weapons, right? No, or nothing armor. magical. Okay. No, it's there's, like there's smaller work. accessories. Let's say no to that. Okay. Um, then yeah, so I'll go to the jewelry print because I don't want to do scrolls. Because okay. that's what would that be? Spells? Yeah, it'd be like single use spells. Oh man. Nah. Well, so the jewelry guy is the only guy. Yeah. All right, then I never left. Well, I'll just say I never left that place. Then. Sorry, so, you can like go look around. Yeah. Okay. But I but I originally had asked if he had any magic stuff. Right, and he just had the jewelry that had been like the small, like trinkets that were viewed. And what would they do? He's got the uh, ring of free action. Mm -hmm. uh, while you wear this ring, difficult terrain does not cost you extra movement. In addition, mm -hmm. magic can neither reduce or speed nor cause you to be paralyzed or restrained. Yeah. He's got the ring of jumping. While wearing this ring, you can cast the jump spell from it as a bonus action at will, but can target only yourself when you do so. Mm -hmm. And he's got... Where did that one go? The... Ring of Protection. You gain a plus one bonus to AC and saving throws while wearing this ring. Um, I'll probably just, I think I'll just save it, I guess. Some. All right, I so say, you know what? Those, uh, those all sign, sound nice and dandy, but I'm in the business of killing. I said, I'll, I'll take your 50 gold offer. And the goblin looks extremely excited and grabs the ruby and says, nice making deals with you, and like puts it in the bag. I'm gonna throw this out there. Mm -hmm. Oh no, I would have. Oh, that's stupid. Okay, whatever. Play bad, bad play on the character. <laughs> I am. I'm intel. I have two intelligence. That's slightly more than regular intelligent. Because of that intelligence, you know, you got like a pretty good deal. They're just not used to seeing rubies. Oh, okay. I thought he was saying you're a nerd. No. All right, whatever. I'm loaded now. I'm big rich. So as that um, goes back to the dormitory, waiting for Newsbeat's orders. Yeah, I think I think I'm uh, I think pretty uh, pretty good. Okay.